Jesus, we just declare right now breakthrough for every single person that's looking to you today. God, you know the people's situations and their stories. You know the burdens that they're carrying. God, you know the sin and the shame in their life. God, you know the words that were spoken over them from a young age. God, you know what happened to them when nobody else knows. Jesus, you know the burdens and the complications. You know the confusion. And God, today we ask that you would break every single chain. Even in this moment, God, would you change people's thoughts, break addictive behaviors, right what's been wronged in relationships, mend families, allow forgiveness, maybe for the first time in somebody's life. Jesus, we thank you that even when we don't see it, you're working and you're working behind the scenes and God, you want our freedom more than we want our freedom. You wanna do something great in our life more than we want you to do something great in our life. And God, I pray that as we look to your word today, would you magnify your own self in our hearts? Jesus, would you make yourself supreme and bigger and greater in our own mind's eye, God, than we could ever imagine? Would you blow our preconceived notions out of the water today, God? And would we leave here today with such a big and grand view of the God who loves us and gave himself for us. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody that's got some expectation said, amen. amen. Give some air high fives. Give some air high fives before you're seated, socially distanced air high fives. Anybody enjoy last weekend? I thought it was so good, so good. Um, what an amazing way to kick off this series. If you're just joining us, maybe you've taken a few weeks off, um, make sure that you go back and watch last weekend. It was the, the kind of preliminary conversation around this series that we're having called Kingdom Culture. And so you're here for week two, and I just wanna say before we get started, wherever you're joining us from, whatever your background looks like, no matter how many times you've stepped into a church or not stepped into a church, on behalf of our entire staff and church leadership team, we just want to say you are loved, you are valued, you are accepted. We want this place to feel like home. So we're so glad that you're here. We're going to spend some time taking a look um, around some topics over the next several weeks in the idea of building a kingdom culture. And last weekend, our senior pastor gave the definition to culture and it went like this, a culture is a specific way of walking and talking. It's a specific way of walking and talking. Some of you, you think about some of the cultures that you've been in before, whether it's somewhere overseas or it's a different school or it's a different city. Maybe it's a different environment where you feel like the culture changes and you got to walk differently and talk differently to fit in. 
Well, what we're talking about as it relates to kingdom culture is a specific way of walking and talking that reflects, when the Bible talks about the word kingdom, it means this mentality where Jesus Christ reigns supreme over everything. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no situation that happens in your life that is not seen by God, known by God, and God is aware of this is the kingdom reality. He is supreme. And I walk like my God is supreme. And I talk like God is supreme. I got swagger like the God that I enjoy and I walk with and I love and I serve and I worship. He reigns supreme. But I think for a lot of us, when we're talking about this idea of kingdom culture, there's part of us that our heart wants to do it. But have you ever realized, like, actually doing it could be really challenging? Like, it could be really difficult. There's breakdown from moment to moment. And one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul is he's so identifiable. In Romans 7, 15, he says something that we all feel. He says, I don't really understand myself. Somebody nudge a spouse. I don't really understand myself, or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Anybody been there? I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. And watch this. Instead, I do the things that I actually hate. Anybody been there this COVID epidemic? Like, I don't know how many times I've started sentences like, tomorrow I'm hitting the gym, and it doesn't happen. But more often than not, tomorrow I get an impossible Whopper from Burger King. Come on, somebody. See, you miss out on the thing you want to do, and you end up doing the thing that you hate. This is life for us, and I want to talk this weekend about the motivation behind everything that we do and say. How many of you know life can feel so complex, so overwhelming, but really at the the baseline of it all, the Bible makes life very simple. It makes how we conduct things and the way we think about things. It makes it a lot more simple than than we could even imagine at times. And one of the things that I want to take a look at is the motivation behind what you say and what you do. If our culture that we're trying to build has to do with what we say and how we walk, let's take a look at our motivation. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart above all else. It's a pretty lofty statement. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Meaning that I can take a look at the course of my life. What am I doing? What's work look like? How's my family look? What do my finances look like? What's my health look like? I can look at the course of my life, and if I don't like it, the problem is probably because I haven't been guarding my heart. The Bible says that from the heart flow the issues of life, that that, that it's with our heart that one believes. This is like the epicenter for what you believe in. And so what you believe in will eventually take precedence and it'll eventually manifest itself in your life. If you feel like you're a lousy dad and you'll never amount to anything, it's probably going to apply itself to looking like an apathetic dad who's not going to try because he's just going to fail anyway. 
If you just believe you're always gonna have a dead-end job because you, you didn't do well in school or, or maybe you grew up in a dif- dysfunctional family, you're probably not gonna apply much because in your mind, you just believe you're just a dysfunctional student that can't amount to anything. It's amazing how the beliefs of our life shape the course of our life. What you believe will ultimately become the path that you walk down. It will become the course of your life. And in Proverbs, it says, listen, the number one thing that you can do is guard your heart. Guard what you believe. Guard the voices that you allow in. Guard what you believe about yourself. Guard what you believe God thinks about you. Like above everything, the number one thing that you can do is guard your own heart. The heart is where belief flows from. I can remember growing up in church and my my kindergarten teacher kneeling down in front of me and going, okay, Ronnie, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? It's kind of a weird thing to say, right? Like they're trying to make juvenile, and essentially what she was trying to ask is, do do you want to make Jesus king of your life? Do you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? But the easiest way for her to explain it to eight-year-old Ronnie was, do you want to let Jesus come into your heart? The reason we use the heart is it is the epicenter for where our belief flows from. You can look at every aspect of your life. Everything that manifests in your life stems back to what you believe in. If you're anxious, check your belief. If you're poor and broke and depressed and anxious and worried and troubled and confused, check your beliefs. You have dysfunctional family relationships, and everywhere around you, it seems like relationships are blowing up. Check your belief. The Bible uses something, and it's really what I want to hone in on today, that I believe is the antidote for us building a kingdom culture and for you accomplishing the amazing things that God has in store for your life. And the phrase that I want to hone in on is something called being led by the Spirit, Now, I want you to push pause really fast because when I say that phrase, being led by the Spirit, we all jump to different conclusions about what that means. To some of us, it's very familiar. To others of us, it is impossibly confusing. Some of us, it's very comfortable, makes sense. We live that way. To others of us, it just feels unattainable. Some, it feels extremely weird, and you have weird pictures that come to your mind from the way that you grew up in church. Others of you, it's something that you long for more. When we talk about being led by the Spirit of God, I want to take a quick minute. Let's just nerd out together. Lean in, smack your face, drink your cup of coffee. I want to nerd out for a second because I think if we can just go deep here for a moment, it's going to simplify what it means for us to be led by the Spirit. In Thayer's, it's a lexicon that that kind of breaks up the Greek and the Hebrew. I want to take a look at what the Thayer's definition is for spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God being led by the Spirit, I want to take a look at some definitions really quickly. And guys, you can put those up on the screen. Here's a couple of the definitions that he walks through. He says a spirit is a simple essence devoid of all matter and possesses the power, here's what we need to lean in on, of knowing, desiring, deciding, and acting. How many of you lately have done some 
knowing, desiring, deciding, and acting. It's fairly all-encompassing to how we live, and this is what the spirit is a part of. And, and number two, he says that it is the influence which fills and governs the soul of who? Everyone. That which makes you think, act, and desire is the spirit in which you operate. So how you think, how you act, the things that you desire, that is the spirit in which Andrew Matrone operates, which Dakota operates, Jake Bakken operates. And number three is one that I just love. I love this definition. He says, the spirit is the vital principle by which the body is animated. Think about an animated movie. Take Mickey Mouse for a second. Mickey Mouse was designed in a way that he had a personality. His personality was used. His designer liked his personality. His characteristics were liked by his designer. But what happened is when it came down to being moved and what he said and what he did, everything was animated by his creator. This is what our spirit allows us to do. So in your life, the things that you act and decide, the things that you desire to have is nothing more than the spirit in which you operate from manifesting. So when you have wrong desires, it's because in the heart of hearts, you have a wrong spirit that you're operating from. When you think incorrect thoughts, it's because you're thinking from the wrong spirit. Does this make sense? I know it's kind of nerdy, but I promise you, it's going to make being led by the Spirit a lot more simple if we can get in the weeds. So if this is what the Spirit is, the Greek word pneuma, when the, the Bible says that God gave us his Spirit or that he, he placed in us the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, he's saying, what I want to give to you is the ability to think, act, desire, to believe what I believe. Now, this is, this is crazy, and I promise you, it'll change your life if you lean into it. He goes, listen, I don't just want to give my spirit to Jesus, the human, but what Jesus said is when he was ascending into heaven after he died upon the cross for our sins, he said, it is better that I leave because we're sending another. The another that he was speaking to was the spirit of God. Jesus knew, if I go, you get the spirit. If I go, you get the same spirit that raised me up from the grave. It's going to dwell in you. The problem is, I just don't live that way. I don't really think that way. I don't really believe that way. I don't really desire that way. If you spent some time in my mind thinking about what I desire, you'd be like, where is this guy coming from? The Bible says when God gave us his spirit, he gave us the ability to have a godlike logic, a godlike frame of reference for what we desire, long for, hope for, expect, what we think about, what we act, what we desire. He says, I want you to be able to operate from the same spirit. If you know a little bit about computers, you know that the operating system for a computer determines how problems are solved, 
how things are created. It, it determines how something functions and, and the way that it works. The same thing was true for us. God says, listen, I wanna give you my spirit so that you can operate from the same place that I operate from. And I know that you're sinful and broken and you make wrong decisions, but Jesus is gonna satisfy that so not even your sin is gonna change what I think about you. Not even your sin is gonna change what you can expect for your hopeful future. I'm gonna take away everything that might hinder you from the things of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God, the wonders that God has for your life. Lean to your neighbor and make sure they know it's for your life. It's for your life, Rodrigo. Here's where the breakdown typically happens in our ability to function from the proper spirit. The Bible makes it really clear, and I wish we could nerd out and go here, but the, the, the fact that our belief and our spirit that we operate from are intrinsically connected. You can see a, a, a complete proportionate um, perspective. As you look at what somebody believes, you can see the spirit in which they live in. You can take a look at what they believe about finances and see the spirit for what they believe. I don't know about you, but some of the wrong fruit in your life probably tells you about a wrong belief. You're living in the wrong spirit because you have a wrong belief. You can take a look in our society right now, and this is a great example. Let's talk politics for a second. What somebody believes completely determines the spirit in which they talk, in which they walk, in which they try to get you on their side and fight for their ability to be right, to, to expose their inability to have peace and comfort and focus and joy. You can take a look at what they believe as it, as it relates to Donald Trump or Biden, and you can see their spirit manifest. God sent his son Jesus to allow his spirit to dwell in us so that we could live differently. So that during an election cycle, I get to walk in a spirit of peace. Because my belief isn't in a candidate, I already have my candidate. The Bible says that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that one day Christ is coming back. He will return for his people. He will be triumphant. He will not fail. He will not falter. He has a perfect track record, and that will not change. I walk with peace. I wonder what's your spirit look like? Because if you look at your spirit and your spirit is troubled, take a look at your Belief. I want to read a passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And it says this, the spirit of God, lean in and think about this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just stop, I'm not going to go on further, just think about that for a second. Awkward pause, just think about it. Jesus Christ in his tomb, resurrected, brought back to life by an unbelievable, unmeasurable power and force, raised back to life, changed the course of human history, and for anybody that would believe, changed the course of their eternity. And that power's in me. 
that power is in me. And then he goes on and he says, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies for anybody that will believe to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. Somebody say same spirit, same spirit living within you. So he says, listen, not only is this spirit that dwells in you the same as the one that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Not only is it the same spirit of God that dwells in heaven, co-eternal, co, 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 like having all power, all authority with the Godhead. Not only is it the same spirit, but he also says it's the same one that raised Christ from the dead, and you are gonna be raised by that same spirit that Christ was. He'll bring life to your mortal bodies. What's interesting is when you look theologically at why was Jesus raised? Why did Jesus come back from the dead? What was it that, that allowed life to come back in and breath to come back in and his blood to pump and his heart to beat? The Bible tells us that it was his trust and his opinion of the Father. He knew that he could go to the grave with the weight of the, of the sin of the world upon his shoulders, yet God is still so good, still so powerful, still so faithful that even going to the grave with the weight of the sins of the history of the world, God would still raise me. For some of you right now that are trapped in addiction, trapped in shame, trapped in condemnation, I want to let you know Jesus went to the grave with the weight of the world upon his shoulders, and it was his faith and his belief in Jesus and his, in his Father that raised Jesus from the dead. He can do it in you. It was his belief in the Father that allowed the Spirit to work. Friends, it is your belief in the Father that will allow the Spirit to work in your life. I wonder, what's your belief of the Father? I wonder when trouble happens, do you rest in the fact that your Father has you or do you panic? What you believe about God, friends, will be directly proportionate to the activity of his spirit and his presence in your life. Some people ask the question, can I really, can I really like know God though? Can I really know Jesus? And then the Holy Spirit is like Boulder is to Colorado. Like he's just like the weird one that's pretty super spiritual, probably does yoga, like eats granola, he's probably vegan. Can I really know the Holy Spirit? One of the cool things about 1 Corinthians 2.11 is it speaks to this. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And then he goes on and he says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. But he also says that same spirit lives in you. You can know the thoughts of God. You can know when you approach him that you're approaching somebody that will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because of the spirit. You can know that no matter how far you run, no matter where you go to, no matter the depths of sin that you find yourself in, that the heart of God longs for you. Why? Because of the spirit of God. Friends, you can know that 
You aren't judged based upon your performance in the eyes of God. Why? Because of the spirit of God, you can know the plans, the mind, and the heart of God because of his spirit. You know, growing up, this manifested in my life in a lot of different ways. Um, I grew up probably very familiar with a lot of how you guys were raised as well. Some lack, some struggle, some difficulties, some insecurities. And I can remember being a newly married man and feeling the pressure to provide financially. And there was one occasion where my wife and I, we got this big bill that just rocked us. And I can remember the amount of panic like panic attacks, anxiety attacks, worry, depression, literally suicide, thinking about how I will never be able to climb out of this and my wife is dependent and I committed to her dad to provide for. I went into utter panic. Now I have the wisdom to go back and go, what produced panic in my life? It wasn't the fact that $2,000 is a lot to God. It's the fact that I... I I felt like I was serving a God where $2,000 was a lot to him. You know, as I've gone on, one of the things that's helped me walk through really difficult things is enlarging my view of who God is. So now when I step into situations where it doesn't necessarily seem like my finances measure up to the need, I go, but God's my provider. It's not on me. When I feel inadequate to step up on a stage and preach to people and teach them the deep mysteries of God, I go, it's not on me. God's going to speak through me. He's going to use my words. He's going to guide me and direct me. He'll anoint me and he'll empower me. When I feel like I can't be a a good father, God meets me and he says, do you even understand how good of a dad I am? I promise you, I'll walk with you. I wonder how big is your God in light of your circumstances that you find yourself in right now because your belief is gonna be directly connected to how the spirit will operate in your life. How big is your God? How much do you want the spirit of God to operate and guide and direct? I love this. This verse in Romans 15, 13, I'll give you a second to to turn there. It shows this cool correlation between what I believe in connection to the spirit working in my life. It says, may the God of hope. So he's like, hey, you you know that God? He's a God of hope. I want you to know about him, okay? Keep that in your mind. He is a God of hope. Let that God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust him. That word trust is the same word as believe in him. So he says, I want you to know this God. He is a God of hope. It's who he is. Let him fill you with peace and joy, all joy, as you trust him or believe in him. Watch this. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? The Holy Spirit. So he says, as you believe and get to know this God, which he is a God of hope, as you trust him, here's what's going to happen. He's going to fill you with all joy and all hope. And then he goes on and he says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the spirit. What you believe about God, I promise you, is going to unlock some unbelievable things in your life. Notice how much of that was dependent upon you, dependent upon me. Trust. 
Friends, when we believe in God and we trust in God, I promise you it will open up the floodgates of supernatural activity in your life. You'll see God show up in the supernatural. You'll see God do the impossible all based upon what you believe about how great and significant he is. It's directly connected. And watch this. He wants to do it. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to do the right thing or get yourself prepped and prepared and looking good. The Bible says that your righteousness, the, your best day is still like filthy rags to God. So here's what he wants to do. Watch this. Luke eleven thirteen. Guys, you can go ahead and put this up. Here's what he says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, watch this. How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, this is like going to a meal with God and him saying, hey, I'd love to pick up the tab. And you sitting on the other side of the table, this is what a lot of us are like going, yo, would you pay for the meal? Would you just pay for it? It's a little more money and you can pay for it. And he's going, no, I, I want to pay for it. And you're like, God, give me more of your spirit. Give me more of your presence. Oh, I'm desperate, God. Would you pay for the bill? And he's going, I, I, I want to. I'd love to. I wonder how much of us are crying out for more of the spirit. When you have the fullness of the presence of God in your life, what you need isn't more of the spirit. What you need is more of a perspective of who God really is. Because your perspective changes, it's going to allow the Holy Spirit to do some amazing things in your life. As we're talking about this kingdom culture, series, building a kingdom culture. Here's what's amazing. He wants to do this also. Next verse, guys. It says, Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's what? It's your father's what? Good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He longs to do it. Friends, the spirit of God and the kingdom of God, he wants to give to us. Like, write this on your leg, write this on your forehead. God wants to give us his spirit and his kingdom. He wants to give it in full measure. He wants to work in your life. He wants to do amazing things. And he's going, can you just believe I'm capable? When you see things that don't make sense, can you believe I'm capable? When you see things that are difficult, can you just believe I know what's going on? Friends, when we have a big view of God, you will see big activity of his spirit in your life. God wants to give us his spirit and his kingdom. I heard a story this week. I'm close to wrapping up, which means nothing because I'm a preacher. I heard a story this week about an immigrant who saved up all that he had and boarded a ship to come to the Americas, wanted to find opportunity, wanted to live in the land of the free. And he boarded this ship, and this ticket cost him everything that he had. So what he did is he, he hoarded up in a bag a bunch of crackers and cheese. And every time they rang the bell to feed everybody and have people come to, to the meal halls, he would reach down into his bag and he'd get some crackers and he'd get some cheese and he'd, he'd go into the corner and he'd eat the crackers and the cheese. 
And everybody would leave and they'd go back out. Next meal, he, the same thing would happen. He'd grab his crackers and his cheese and he's eating the crackers and cheese. And finally, one person saw this happen after several days and he went up to the man and he said, sir, what are you doing? Every meal, I see you walk over into the corner and you're eating something. What are you doing? And he said, I, this ticket cost me everything I had. I had to give everything for this and I can't afford the meals on the ship. So I have to eat these crackers and cheese. And this kind person kneeled down. They said, sir, you do know that every meal is included in the ticket. And I wonder how many of us have gone through our Christian lives eating cheese and crackers, thinking that this whole life is costing you more than it really is. You walk through with a small God doing small things in your life, thinking this is just the way that it is. It's supposed to be really difficult. Can I tell you, the meal's included with your ticket. I don't know what you're going through right now, what you're facing, what, it, what is challenging you, what is stressing out your heart and your soul, what feels insurmountable. Can I just remind you that you have a God that is fully capable And guess what? He wants to work in your life. It's included. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, what we have received is not a spirit of this world, friends, but a spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Somebody lean over to your neighbor and tell him it's included. He's freely given to it. As I was praying this week, I was just like, God, help me take something that might feel very confusing and complicated to a lot of people and help me communicate it in a way that would bear fruit in their lives. And as I was sitting there, I just was reminded of the fact of how kind and gracious God is that he allows us to bear fruit. You know how difficult it would be to walk throughout life and never really know how stuff is going, never really know if you're doing okay or if you're doing really poorly. You're just like, I don't know. I have no idea. God said, I want to give you a measuring stick. I want to let you know when you're doing right, when you're doing wrong. I want to let your life bear fruit. And one of the unbelievable things about life is you can check your fruit in order to see if your beliefs are in line. And the Bible gives us really clear, really distinct outline for what it looks like to live a life where the spirit that you're operating from is God's spirit. In Galatians 5, it outlines something called the fruits of the spirit. And I want to start in Galatians 5, verse 16, and then we're going to jump down a little ways. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let him guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Watch this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. 
Do you remember the passage, it's not here, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? What that verse refers to is when you live in the spirit, you are free to do your good intentions. He says, listen, the reason why it feels like a war within your soul is because it is. There is constant, continuous contention in your own soul between the flesh or the sinful nature and what is good, the spirit. Jump down to verse 22 because he gives us this outline. If you want to know if your life is in line with the spirit, watch your fruit. Because he says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He says love. Do you have it? Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said, there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their passions and desires of this sinful nature to his cross, and they crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit now, let us follow the leading in every part of our lives. Friends, I wonder, do you have these fruits in your life? My wife and I just recently found out that we have baby number three on the way. But how many of you know being, being a parent is tough? Being an employee is tough. Being married is tough. And especially during this time of life with COVID and coronavirus and being stuck at home, I've felt so many different challenges, so many hurts and wounds, so many sin patterns pop back up, my rage and my anger, my frustration, short-temperedness. It's like peak to an all-time high. But friends, it's very simple for me now to gauge whether or not I'm being led by his spirit or a spirit of my own. That's what I wanted to do today. As we're talking about building a kingdom culture, you cannot do so without his spirit. I wanna make it very simple what being led by his spirit looks like, because we've mystified it almost to the nth degree, and there is a mysticism to it. There is an unknown to it, but I promise you, it can be more known than unknown. And I want you to feel confident this weekend as you go into life to know whether or not I am living and operating from the Holy Spirit or a spirit of my own. God has amazing plans for you. But without his spirit, you cannot be the person he's longing for you to be. It's like a car with no gasoline. If you have a car with no gasoline, you have a car. It just won't act like one. It's like, an, it's like an oil lamp with no oil in it. You, you could have the oil lamp, but if without the oil, it's just an oil lamp that won't act like one. And I want to tell you, you can be a human without the Spirit, but you just won't act like a human as God intended you to act and operate. You won't have this union and relationship with God as God intended. You'll live life that's short-sighted and always trying to scrape by, never has enough. When you connect with the Holy Spirit and you enlarge your view of God, watch as the Holy Spirit begins to do with your life what you never could have done on your own. Friends, this is the most selfish thing you could ever do is magnify 
the greatness of God. God, right now, I just pray for every person. God, we pray the prayer of the men and women that went before us. God, help us to decrease so that you might increase. God, help us to not be short-sighted as it comes to seeing your Holy Spirit work in our lives. God, we want to think like you, act like you, desire what you desire. God, in your own way, would you speak to people right now? And God, as we look as a church to see a kingdom culture established, Jesus, our prayer and our hope is that you would increase, that we would see you do the impossible and the unbelievable in and through our lives. God, we invite this. God, we recognize that your word says that the fruits of the spirit are produced by you. So God, I just pray for every single person that is grunting and groaning and striving to produce fruit to no avail. God, I just pray that today you would teach us about what it means to do life with you. You give us a yoke and a burden that is easy and light. And so God, today we stop trying to strive to produce fruit from our lives and we just say, Holy Spirit, would you produce fruit through me? God, we want to be led by you, not pull you along. So God, would you lead us today? We give you space to produce fruit in our lives. We give you space to lead us today. God, would you speak to us across thousands of locations around the world? God, let us decrease so that you might increase. We know that if we want to build a kingdom culture, this is an inside job. So God, do your work today. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the precious name of a great, great God whose name is Jesus Christ. We say all of these things. And everybody at Red Rocks Church around the world said, Red Rocks said this time, would you stand to your feet? Would you create some space to remember how big your God is in, in light of your trials and let the Holy Spirit begin to do what only he can do? I love you guys so, so much. Let's worship.